0: Welcome to 340B Insight from 340B Health.
1: Hello from Washington D.C. and welcome back to 340B Insight, the podcast about the 340B drug pricing program. I'm David Glendinning with 340B Health. This episode is sponsored by RX Strategies, a clear choice for 340B program management. Covered entities can achieve more with Rx Strategies' audit-proven eligibility matching algorithm that qualifies individual transactions, a split billing platform to simplify the process of mixed-use inventory virtualization and replenishment, insightful 340B program visibility through powerful analytics, and high-touch service to foster better results. Learn how at rxstrategies.com. Our guest today is Maureen Testoni the president and CEO of 340B Health. We are committed to bringing Maureen on the show regularly to provide analysis on the most important developments affecting the 340B program. There have been many such developments since we last spoke with her in June, so we wanted to get you up to speed on anything you might have missed since then. Be sure not to miss our latest report on how the ongoing 340B contract pharmacy dispute is affecting patients with diabetes and the safety net providers who treat them. Maureen has much more to say about that in her interview, but we encourage all of you to read the report as well. And if you are pressed for time, but need to educate yourself or someone else about the contract pharmacy issue, be sure to watch our new animated video that you can find in the show notes. In less than three minutes, we walk you through how this dispute started, what it has meant for providers and patients, and what will be required to end it please feel free to share this video widely with anyone who could benefit from a primer. And now for our feature interview with Maureen Testoni. Miles Goldman recently sat down with Maureen to discuss 340B's busy summer. Here's that conversation.
2: Thank you, David. I'm joined by Maureen Testoni, the president and CEO of 340B Health. Maureen, I'm looking forward to hearing your analysis on the top Issues in 340B. Welcome back to 340B Insight.
0: Thanks for having me, Miles. Glad to be back. In May,
2: HERSA sent letters to six drug manufacturers refusing to provide 340B discounts to safety net hospitals and other providers on drugs dispensed at community pharmacies. What recent developments have occurred on this issue?
0: So uh, after the companies got those letters back in May, we were all wondering what would happen would the companies stop doing what they were doing now that HHS made clear their view on the matter that the companies were violating the 340B statute. And that did not happen. The companies did not stop what they were doing. Uh, instead, all of them went to court to try to block HHS from enforcing the 340B statute and really to get the court to say that HHS did not have the authority to enforce contract pharmacy. So they're looking to be able to continue to deny 340B discounts at community pharmacies. So that was disappointing, but it wasn't super surprising. I think the the drug companies, the few that are involved in this, have made it very, very clear their position and that they're going to stick this out until they get a decision. Now, recently, actually just last week, HRSA sent notices to the six companies that it has referred them to the HHS Office of the Inspector General for potentially fines for their continued violations of the federal uh, 340B statute. That is, we are really pleased to see that. We think that that was a, a, a really strong move by uh, HHS Secretary Becerra and uh, HRSA Acting Administrator Diana Espinosa. We're thrilled that they took this action. We had asked them to take the action. And really, we think that was the next step in this whole procedure. What happens
2: next now that HERSA has referred the issue to the HHS OIG?
0: So the way it works generally is HRSA looks at whatever the dispute is that's happening between the covered entities and the manufacturers, and basically what HRSA has done is they have concluded that there is a violation here. So they've looked at all the overcharge notices that were sent by covered entities, and they, they have proof that, in fact, the drug companies are not offering the 340B discount to the covered entity. So now that they have that, they have referred it over to the OIG and that's for a second step in this whole process. The OIG is the entity that is responsible for determining whether or not penalties can be levied against these companies. And what they will do is they will seek to investigate whether the standard uh, has been met. And the standard in this case is knowing and intentional behavior. So the OIG has to look at what the manufacturers have done and decide whether their action is a knowing and intentional violation of the 340B statute. It's unclear how long this review process will take. This is the very first time the OIG has been called upon to interpret that standard, that knowing and intentional standard for the 340B program. The OIG has certainly done it in a number of other for another of other laws where they have issued penalties uh, in the healthcare industry but they have never done it for 340B. So it's unclear how long the process will take. If however they decide that the drug companies did behave in an annoying and intentional manner, then they can assess civil money penalties. And the fines are actually really steep because they're 5,000 per claim. So that could amount to millions and millions of dollars for each manufacturer, which is obviously not something the manufacturers would take lightly. So the penalties, you know, the whole purpose of the penalties is to punish and to discourage people from violating the law. And if the OIG decides that the actions were knowing and intentional, I think it would definitely have that impact.
2: How are the drug manufacturers responding to this new development in the dispute?
0: So that is really a moving target, miles. Uh, we saw that shortly after the letters came out, the company started one by one, uh, sending notices to the court. Uh, And what they're asking for is that they're trying to make the court aware that HHS has taken this action and then asking the court to quickly resolve these lawsuits where the drug companies are saying that HHS doesn't have the power to enforce. And so the, the drug companies are saying they shouldn't be allowed to do that until you decide whether or not they have the authority to enforce Now, one of the courts has already responded uh, to one of the companies, to Novartis, and they've said, look, we're not going to do anything to stop HHS's, you know, action. We're not going to stop the OIG from looking into this matter because HHS has already told us that it's going to be a little while before the OIG reaches a conclusion. For some of these lawsuits, there are hearings that are scheduled within the next couple of months. And HHS had said, at least with respect to Novartis, that the OIG will not be taking any enforcement action prior to when their hearing is scheduled, and their hearing is scheduled for, I think, mid-October. So based on that, the courts have not taken any action, but it certainly is being used by the drug companies as a way to sort of light a fire under some of these judges and say, we need a decision on this case very quickly.
2: Why do you think the drug companies are are putting so much effort into trying to stop enforcement?
0: So, Miles, I honestly, I think it's pretty obvious here. This is really about their profits. We recently released a report that really delves into this and shows what the impact is on the the few drug companies that have taken this action, what the impact is on their profits. Uh, Our report found that diabetes drugs are heavily impacted by the drug company refusals to provide the 340B discount. So what we're saying there is that nine out of the 10 top-selling diabetes drugs are made by companies that are denying 340B discounts. Remember, there are hundreds and hundreds of companies in the 340B program. There's just six of them so far that have taken this action and filed lawsuits. And of those, three of the companies, Eli Lilly, Sanofi, and Novo Nordisk, control more than 90% of the American insulin market. A report also analyzed Medicare Part D data and found that the companies uh, denying these discounts account for 91% of all diabetes drug spending in Medicare Part D. And I think what's really important for people to understand is that the the prices for these drugs, for insulin, for example, and some of the other drugs, have skyrocketed over time. I mean, in some cases, by thousands of percentage points. Uh, And what 340B does is it imposes a penalty on drugs where the price is increased at such a high rate? And so the faster that you increase the price, the higher that you increase it, the Bigger the discount is that you have to give on three hundred and forty b drugs, so instead of being the twenty three percent that 's in the statute, if you 're increasing it by thousands of percent the the discount can go all the way down to a really small number, like a penny for example and what we 're seeing with these companies is that their top drugs are in fact penalized to that degree where where they have to sell it to three hundred forty b covered entities at a penny and there 's also research out there that shows that this penalty, this 340B penalty, does have the impact of helping to keep prices down even for non-340B drugs. So by refusing to pay these legally required discounts, it's basically, it seems like a way for the companies to just get around that penalty and keep charging these incredibly high prices for these drugs.
2: Did HRSA refer to the HHS OIG, all the drug manufacturers who are refusing 340B discounts on the drugs dispensed at community pharmacies?
0: No, so they referred six companies, but there are two other drug manufacturers that have come forward relatively recently. So now there's a total of eight companies that are denying 340B discounts. And we are very disappointed to see, uh, Behringer, Ingelheim, and Merck announce policies to restrict 340B pricing when it comes to community pharmacies. And the concern here is they did that. Basically, you know, these other six companies came forward. HHS issued a letter to them, and then these other companies come out. So that was very disappointing to see. And we have not seen HRSA so far issue a public letter to these two companies like they did with the other six back in May, you know, telling them, oh, your actions are definitely violating the law. We have asked HRSA to send similar letters. We've also contacted the companies and asked them to to reverse their position. But we haven't seen that yet. We are hopeful that uh, HRSA will take that action. I know that they are looking very closely at overcharged notices submitted by covered entities. That's something that they really need so they can just confirm that, in fact, people have tried to get purchase the drugs at 340B discounts and have been unable to do so. So we are confident that once they are able to review, complete the review of such notices by covered entities, and I strongly encourage covered entities to get those notices, into HRSA, then they'll be able to complete their determination and find that these two companies, like the other six before them, are in violation of the 340B statute. Just a note to covered entities, you can uh, go to our website. We have an easy template letter that you can use to submit those overcharge notices. You can also use an overcharge form, notice form that is on the Apexis website either one will work. It's just really important that we send that information uh, into HERSA. It was really instrumental in getting HERSA to issue those letters telling the companies that they were in violation of the statute, which has ultimately led to the recent referral to the OIG. So really encouraging people to move forward on that.
2: Thank you for sharing all that important info with us, Maureen. We're going to Turn our attention now to some of the other top issues that are going on with the program right now. Congress has a lot on its plate this fall, and lowering drug pricing is a key part of the legislation they are considering. Can you explain what it all means for 340B?
0: Yes, happy to, uh, Miles, because this really is a very significant uh, piece of legislation that's being debated. We all agree that prescription drugs are too high. I don't think anybody really disagrees with that. And the, you know, the truth is they keep getting higher. The prices are going up and then the new launch prices for really important, you know, great drugs that are coming onto the market are just, just incredibly, incredibly high. So Congress has been talking about tackling this issue for a while and the legislation that they are looking at would really address it by allowing the government to negotiate directly with drug companies to bring down prices. And the the negotiations would be based on the prices that that these companies are charging in other countries. So that is sort of the mechanism or the concept about how we would try to bring these drug prices down. Now, from a 340B perspective, When these prices come down, there could be implications for 340B savings. And we think it's important to make sure that uh, Congress is aware of this, because part of the whole deal with 340B was, when it was enacted in 1992, was that the government is basically guaranteeing access to Medicaid and Medicare beneficiaries, and in return, The drug companies are agreeing as part of the deal that they will participate in 340B. And by doing that, they are subsidizing the safety net by giving these discounts. So that is the deal and it's worked really really well. It has it, it's just made, you know, a tremendous difference for safety net providers and especially for the patients that they serve and it doesn't cost the taxpayers a dime. So we want to make sure that we are keeping our eye also on this bargain and making sure that we don't we don't let that sort of fall by the wayside or fall apart. And that's the issue that I think is really is a really important thing for the 340B community to Be aware of and be paying attention to during these drug pricing discussions on Capitol Hill.
2: Another challenge we've discussed on the podcast before is pharmacy benefit managers and health insurers establishing discriminatory payment rules against 340B providers that erode the value of the 340B discount or restrict providers from using 340B drugs. What has Congress started to work on to address this issue?
0: So really great question, Miles, because really what we're seeing, and we're not seeing it by very many payers so far, but we have seen it by um, a couple of payers where they basically say, okay, if you are 340B and you, have, you get the drug at a discount, we're going to pay you less. And basically what they're saying is, yes, we know that Congress intended for the discount to subsidize safe net providers but we've decided you know as a you know large for-profit company that we think that benefit should come to us so that's obviously something that is very very concerning to 340 be providers and it's very concerning to the lawmakers as well and what we've seen is at least 13 states so far have adopted rules prohibiting Discriminatory pricing for covered entities. This includes, you know, again, it's bipartisan. It includes both both red and blue states. It, just the concept of, I think, these for-profit companies taking the the 340B discount is something that a lot of lawmakers just have a lot of a lot of trouble with. And then we're also in Congress. We uh, recently had a bill introduced by Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger and Congressman David McKinley that would prohibit discriminatory pricing by PBMs and other payers. So we are really thrilled uh, to see that. And we're hoping that it's going to get a lot of co-sponsors and continue to move its way through Congress.
2: And that bill has a, has a catchy title it. I think it's called the Protect 340B Act.
0: That's correct. And that's, that's indeed what it would do. Sadly,
2: the COVID-19 pandemic resurged during the summer, and one related issue for some 340B hospitals is how changes in the patient mix are affecting their eligibility for 340B.
0: It's sad to see that, that COVID is still such a big part of all of our lives, It's not something that has gone away, I think, as we all hoped. But it's also really sad to see what the impact has been on some 340B providers. So, for example, to be in 340B, to be eligible for 340B, some hospitals, you know, the requirement is that you're seeing a certain percentage of of Medicaid and low-income Medicare patients. But some hospitals have had to close their labor and delivery departments. They've had to close their uh, operating rooms for anything other than the very most emergency kinds of surgeries. As a result, it has affected their patient caseload. So for some of those hospitals, they're very concerned about they're their not meeting that one eligibility requirement. And it can take close to two years sometimes to be able to get back into the program once you've had to withdraw from it. So we're working very hard with members of Congress, and there's legislation that's been introduced on this in, in both the House and the Senate as well. To make sure that there is protection for those hospitals so that if in fact you had a, an eligibility issue due to the COVID-19 pandemic, then you would be able to stay in 340B through the period of the pandemic. And so we're working with that. That has bipartisan support as well.
2: Meanwhile, this fall, 340B is on the Supreme Court's docket in a case involving Medicare Part B cuts to many 340B hospitals. Where do you see this dispute going?
0: Well, Miles, it's really interesting. You know, the Supreme Court cases involving 340B are few and far between. Uh, But this is a very important case. These Medicare cuts have been in place since 2018 and they've caused a lot of damage. It's similar to the discriminatory pricing issue that that I mentioned earlier. This is a situation where Medicare is saying that they should be able to use the subsidies that are being provided by the drug companies. And what they're doing with those subsidies is they are spreading them out across all of their providers that get these Part B payments, and so as a result, you have the 340B hospitals getting less, and then you also have these other providers that aren't part of 340B that aren't required to provide care to a significant percentage of low-income people that are getting benefits, and so that obviously causes a lot of harm to the safety net, and it doesn't reduce costs for anyone. Medicare is paying the same amount They're not saving money, they're just able to increase payments for other types of providers, and the uh, consumers aren't saving any money. So as a result, we feel very strongly that this is a policy that should be reversed. And we've seen bipartisan support for reversing it, Uh, and recently two important letters from Congress uh, were sent to CMS urging them to drop the cuts, and we've sent our own comment letter urging them to drop the cuts. But what's going on with the Supreme Court is that when CMS took this action back in 2018, a group of hospital associations sued them and said the actions they took are are conflict with the way the Medicare law was drafted. And what happened is they actually won. The hospital side won in the lower court and HHS appealed and they won in the appellate court. So the hospitals appeal to the Supreme Court. And, you know, it's very, very rare for the Supreme Court to actually take a case. They get tons and tons of cases are appealed to the Supreme Court, but very few are actually selected. But this case was selected. So they will be hearing this case, and it's hard to know exactly which way it's going to go. But it'll be interesting to see that, how it goes. But, But really, I would still urge CMS to not wait and see how it goes and to act now to restore the payment equity in Medicare Part B.
2: Maureen, we always appreciate you keeping our listeners informed on all these 340B issues. I'm, I'm sure we'll be discussing uh, all these issues on the podcast as we move through the fall, and, and we'll have you back on uh, in the future to provide us another update. Thank you so much for uh, speaking with us today.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Miles, for having me. And I do want to say you know, that, I, that I'm really thinking of all of the hospitals dealing with the COVID surge right now. I've heard from so many hospitals about how full their, their ICUs are and what a tremendous burden this is, how difficult it is to deal with with the existing supply that they have. And I guess along those lines, I, I'm really hoping that the contract pharmacy issue will resolve itself. I'm hoping that the drug companies will reverse their policy on this because certainly getting the 340B discounts back on track would help safety net providers as they as they battle this pandemic.
1: Our thanks again to Maureen Testoni for coming back on the show to fill us in on all the summer news and give us a look ahead to what we expect will be a busy fall. If you want to hear more from Maureen on some of the top 340B issues, please watch her recent appearance on a panel discussion hosted by the publication STAT. You can find a link to the archived video in the show notes. If you have any questions for us on the issues Maureen or any of our other guests cover on this show, please email us at podcast at 340bhealth.org. We'll be back in a few weeks. As always, thanks for listening and be well.
0: Thanks for listening to 340B Insight. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit our website at 340bpodcast.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at 340B Health and submit a question or idea to the show by emailing us at podcast at 340B dot org.